This episode of Geared Up is brought to you by National Car Rental. Take control of your travel experience with National Car Rental's Emerald Club. Visit nationalcar.com to find out more. Welcome to Geared Up, sponsored by National Car Rental. I'm Todd Bishop. I'm Andrew Edwards. Hey, we're coming to you from the GeekWire studios this week. On this episode, we get a hands-on review of the new Samsung Galaxy S9. That's right, S9, or specifically the S9 Plus. Nice. Yes. That is slated to launch this Friday, so Andrew's been testing it out, and we will talk about it and his experiences with it. Plus, Apple acquires digital magazine company Texture. Mm Mm-hmm. And the first Alexa-integrated light switch was unveiled just today. That's right. So we're going to talk about that. You've been using that one as well. for about two weeks as well, and it's very interesting. All right. Well, let's jump in then. Okay. And Where uh, are we starting today? Let's start with the Galaxy S9 Galaxy Plus. S9. So, okay. Andrew, I watched the Galaxy S9 unveiling. Okay. Probably the, the sort of anticlimactic uh, moment <laughs> of the year, because about all of the details have been leaked out in advance. That's true. Yes, yes, everything. But you were there. I was, yes, I, I got the phone. I was not there at the reveal because that was in Barcelona, right. but I did go to a, they called them a pre-briefing, exactly. not to get too much behind the scenes, but basically a couple of weeks before it was announced, I got to go in, check things out, ask questions, pick up a review device, um, and then, you know, you can't talk about it until they actually show it off. So You've been behind the scenes with this thing yes. is what I'm trying to get. You're, you're up close with it, and you've been using it for the past two weeks. Yeah, roughly two weeks. So here's my question. Why buy this thing? Why buy this? Okay, so if you have a Samsung Galaxy S8, I would say you, you're pretty much good with what you've got. This is akin to um, what Apple typically does where they do like an iPhone 6 and then an iPhone 6S the following year, which is really um, not that those S phones are bad. They're actually quite good. Um, they're better than the, the previous year because they've had time to refine that same design so this is pretty much the almost exact same external design as last year um the only thing that's different which is a vast improvement is the camera or the the fingerprint sensor which used to be this used to be uh like this basically so you'd put your finger there and you'd like touch your you'd muck up your camera so essentially moved it so before the fingerprint sensor was to it was horizontal with the camera now it's vertical right that so, but has the camera itself been upgraded oh, as the well? The camera itself is the largest yep. upgrade, so yeah. I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but if you're on an S8, this probably isn't for you unless you're someone who always has to have like the latest and greatest. Like if it was me, like me in particular, I would go upgrade because I just want to have the newest thing. But if you're more practical than I am, um, you can stick with your S8. If you're on an older device, though, this is a solid Android phone, um, arguably the best Android phone that you can pick up right now. Um, I'd say it's a toss-up between this and uh, the Google Pixel 2. The Google Pixel 2's camera is still fantastic, but the biggest trick on this phone is the camera. What Samsung has here is the first-ever dual-aperture camera on a smartphone. And so what dual-aperture means is it can actually change the amount of light that's going into the lens. You know, when you, you have your any DSLR or whatever, you can change the aperture on there. Smartphones have always had just one aperture. So here's the camera that's on the phone. It's going to let this much light in, whether it's light or dark, whatever. That's just what you get. Um, if you need more light, use the flash. With Samsung, you it'll change automatically. It'll be an f2.4, which is great for you know well-lit or daylight or pretty much anything that's not dark. 
takes great photos. But then if it senses less than 100 lumens of light, it'll change hmm. to f1.5. So that means it opens up the sensor. It's capturing more light so that when you take a photo, you still look good. And it's actually pretty interesting because I've taken photos in like pitch black outside and I've done the, the comparison, but I've taken two back to back. I'll do the 2.4 and a 1.5 to see if it was a gimmick. And the 1.5 is substantially better hmm. in low light situations. So if you're looking for a camera that's good, like if you're indoors, if you're in a club, if you're just outside at nighttime, you can take great photos with this. I will say whenever I've picked up a friend's Galaxy, I'm an iPhone user. I've been a long time iPhone user. But whenever I pick up a friend's Galaxy, whatever generation mm -hmm. it's been, I've always been envious of the picture quality that they get on the same generation Galaxy compared to whatever yeah. iPhone I'm using at that time. It feels yeah. like Samsung has just always been like one step ahead of Apple on the camera technology. I think that's pretty accurate. And, you know, I, I've always wondered why that was. And I think, like, something hit me. Um, when Apple announced the iPhone 10, and it was that when you look at the numbers, Apple sells roughly 200 and let's say 30 or 40 million phones per year, right? Samsung isn't selling anywhere near that. So Samsung only needs to be able to secure, let's just say, 80 million of these sensors, right? Where Apple would need a supplier to give them 240 million, and a supplier might say, we can't, we can't produce that much. So you have to take this older sensor that we could produce and since Apple, they don't want to have a bottleneck in their, you know, in their line. So I think that might be what's going on. But yes, the, the cameras here are great. Now, something I don't like, um, one thing Samsung's doing here is they have facial recognition and they have iris detection along with the fingerprint sensor. And they have um, also you can just punch in a code. So there's all these different ways to authenticate, right? So, you know, iPhone X has Face ID. Right. It works very well. Yep. Um, Samsung, in an effort to kind of match that, is taking their facial recognition, which is not very secure, but combining it with the iris um, detector or reader, which is very secure. Mm -hmm. And so when you tr go to unlock the phone, it kind of does a mixture of both, depending on what environment you're in, to unlock it. But check this out. If I'm going to unlock the phone here, you see that? Did you see, did you see that red light? Yeah. That red light is the iris detector. Now, imagine if Apple put Face ID on here, and every time you use Face ID, it blinked a red light at you. People yeah. would complain about that. That's, that's actually pretty terrible. You know, this is... I don't want to have a... What is that? I don't yeah. want to have a red light. Like, yeah. That's weird. I will say, this is perhaps a tangent, but I got to ask you this. Okay. Have you ever been on an infrared camera like your... Uh, like my cloud cam, mm -hmm. and seen yourself looking at your iPhone, like your iPhone 10 with the face ID <laughs> yes. in the infrared. Yes. That's where I start to get a little freaked out about this. With all, stuff. The, it's just, all the dots it, on yeah, your face. Well, and it like it flashes at you. My right. my iPhone 10 flashes at me in the IR light. Yes. And you know, you're starting to think, you know, all the radiation stuff. And you know, I just that's where I start to go, holy crap, there is stuff all around in the air. Right. I mean, that's true. Not that you don't know that already, but when you see it in action and it's flashing there's at you. There's a lot of invis I mean, there's Wi Fi everywhere, the cellular yeah, it's, it's everywhere. I'm just saying as a design flaw though, that whole I don't know scanning. that that right there. Like even though it's pretty, it's pretty quick and it gets me into the phone. It's an odd. It just looks weird. Okay, so we are talking about the Samsung Galaxy S9 and S9 Plus. They are going on sale this Friday, and that is, uh, I guess, March 16th. If I'm doing yes. that right, yes. And so the S9 is $719, $720 without a plan. The S9 Plus is $840. 
if if you recall, the S8 was the one that really introduced to the world and to the smartphone world or popularized this whole notion of very thin bezels yeah. as a way of Hold maximizing that. Check that. the screen. Check, check out those bezels or yeah. lack thereof. Lack thereof, exactly. So my main knock on this as I was watching the S9 and S9 Plus unveiling is, it's as you said, it's essentially the same body as the yes. S8. So it's hard to get all jazzed up about. So uh, let me ask you, I want to ask you about that, actually. Yes. So my, I have an issue with people who say that. Okay, let's hear so it. So my issue is the main reason you use a phone is because of the software. True. The second you turn on the screen, you're looking at software, and that's what you're interacting with. The hardware doesn't matter at that point unless it's, the, you know, the, if you have a good screen, you have a good screen, right? When people say, like, oh, they, they kept the same design. I don't know if I want it. Like, it's like no matter what goes on inside the phone that's been improved, if the external looks the same, it's not as exciting for some reason. But to me, I'm more excited because that means you you spent all your time improving the important stuff rather than also trying to make it look different just for the sake of looking different. Let me just say that you have a more evolved, sophisticated, and nuanced <laughs> understanding of the smartphone development than the average consumer, including me. So okay. point taken. Good point. <laughs> all right. So overall, Andrew, you've been using this thing for a couple yes. weeks you like it. Is it at the level, though, that would get you to switch from an iPhone X for your everyday device? Um, no. I mean, so for me, no. I'm not going to switch from an iPhone ten. But that's really because, you know, you're talking about device versus ecosystem yeah. at that point. Yeah. And the ecosystem that I'm currently living in is the Apple slash iOS ecosystem where, you know, there's apps that I use that I can't get on Android. I use a Mac, which I have apps that are on the Mac and on the phone that sync well together. So it's an ecosystem thing, not a device thing. If this phone ran iOS, so let's put it that way. If this phone ran iOS, which is never going to happen, I would probably uh, choose this just because I think the display is a little better here. The camera is a little better here. The front camera, front camera portrait mode is fantastic on the Galaxy S9 and S9 Plus, whereas I feel like the iPhone 10 front portrait mode is like very hit or miss. Yeah. It's either really good or terrible. And so I just want I just want a little more consistency in my life. Okay. So that is the Samsung Galaxy S9 and S9 Plus. Speaking of Apple, our yeah. next story actually relates directly to Apple's direction on the software and services okay. side. They, they announced this past week that they're acquiring, they plan to acquire the digital mag magazine service called Texture. Texture, yes. Yeah. And so if you've never used this, this is essentially like Netflix for magazines. Yeah. Have you used it before? I have not. I've no. used it. I've used it on the iPad. It's, it's, it's cool. I did one of those 30-day trials. Yeah. Basically, you create an account, you put your uh, credit card in, and then you have access to read any magazine that's on the that's available on the service and you go back and say let me read last month and two months ago or whatever um it's great for like if you're traveling or what you know if you're if you're into magazines and you don't want to like buy different magazines it's a good way to do it I, I like this whole approach because i feel like the digital world and this whole world of twitter and social media makes us read short and i love the or just headlines yeah <laughs> i love the the whole notion exactly of something that is specifically designed for a long read that said I, this to me feels kind of like a uh, sort of uh, not a cop out by Apple, but why are they focusing on this when you look versus at what I you know I I don't know it feels to me like Apple has spread out a little bit too far. I mean, this should just be an it was and it is an app on yeah. iOS. Why do they have to own this? And what does that say about their direction that they are so interested in a magazine subscription service that they have to buy it? To me, that is <laughs> Apple going too far beyond its core business, and it makes me worry about their overall corporate focus and their overall 
technology development focus. Now, I realize it's a giant company, lots yes. going on, but biggest I, company in the world. Yeah, well, in terms of like in terms of revenue, yeah, in terms of revenue. So, but in terms of their focus, I don't know. I see stuff like this, and I go like, "What are they doing?" Well, I guess I would ask you how you feel about Apple getting into original content as well. I, I think it's dumb. Okay, so they're making shows, they're making movies. Yes. Um, I don't know. So making might not be the right word, though. They are developing. Buying. Yeah, it's very much what Amazon does. I yeah, mean, like over... Tim Cook's not on set. Like, hey, action, <laughs> right? But they are. They're they're funding and developing content for Apple Music. Yeah. Now that's weird to me because it's it's a music service, but they're putting video content on there. But forget that part for a moment. Um, this to me seems like you know the services business in Apple, which is iCloud and Apple Music and anything where you pay a subscription to Apple, has been growing, and they expect that to be their either biggest or second biggest revenue stream. And the way it's been growing, it seems like this is kind of what they're trying to do. They want to give you things to subscribe to. I think they what they really ultimately want to do is have you subscribe to a service. Let's say it's called Apple Music or they change the name and you get music, you get TV shows and you get your news. Right. And if you open up the Apple News app and you're a subscriber, if you open up the Apple News app and you're not a subscriber, you get anything that's free like blogs and everything like that. If you're a paid user, you get the blogs and the magazines. Yep. I'm assuming it's like that and if that's the case and it stays at 9.99 for all of the above, that would entice people to give Apple that $10 per month and grow that services business. I, I'm with you. I think it makes a lot of sense. And obviously other companies are doing this. I guess I just want to see Apple focusing on the next big thing. They are the people who have led the industry uh, from from the music player to the tablet to the smartphone. I mean, mm -hmm. this this is the company that has redefined each generation. They might not have right. invented every single thing, but they redefined it and set the path forward. I that's what that's the news I want to hear from Apple. Right. Not that they're buying a magazine. Well, let me service. ask you this: yeah. Would it be fair to say, yeah. you know, Apple didn't create the first smartphone, but they created the first modern smartphone, mm -hmm. yep. the first modern tablet, the first? Yeah, they popularized all this. Could this be Apple bringing magazines into the modern era yeah. versus, you know, how they're kind of dying, kind yeah. of dying out? Is this them saying, hey, this is an important medium and we want to do something to save it and bring it forward? Sure, but who cares? <laughs> who cares? I mean, I mean seriously. There you go. Okay, you reinvent the magazine. I mean, I want you to reinvent the next thing that I'm not even thinking about. You know, that and that's that's really what happened with the iPad, the iPhone, yeah. the, the iPod. And that's I think they have an opportunity to do that with some of the artificial intelligence and AR stuff that they're doing. And, and that to me is a better place to focus. Now, I realize I'm being completely unreasonable here and uh, implying that I don't fully understand how companies work. I, I get that this is not <laughs> the same part of the company that develops all those right, other things, right. but, but I don't know. I just see these announcements and I'm like, meh, I okay. don't know. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, so that is the news about Apple acquiring Texture. It is an interesting service and worth checking out, and I'm sure they got a ton of new subscriptions this past week. Yeah, yeah, that's true, I'm sure. And, you know, so we also have WWDC coming up yep. and in the Apple news. Like, they obviously didn't save this to announce at WWDC, which is where they talk about the future, right? The actual stuff you were just talking about. Exactly. The new version of iOS, iOS 12, the next version of macOS. We're expecting some computers to be launched there as well. Let me ask you, talking about yep. WWDC real quick. Is there anything that sticks out to you 
that you want to hear them announce for as a feature of iOS 12 or the next Mac OS. Yeah, I am. I know that they've been going this way with ARKit and the whole augmented reality stuff. I don't know what it is, but I want to see them take that to the next level. Okay. Something that takes your phone and some of the ingredients of what we've been seeing, whether it's Pokemon Go or other types of augmented reality apps, I want to see them take it to the next level, perhaps combined with some other kind of device. VR, AR headset that leverages the iPhone 10, something along those lines I would be really interested in. Okay. How about you? Yeah, I think uh, I kind of feel the same way. I'd like to see a little more granular control in iOS. I don't know if, I don't know if we're ever going to see that, but I'd love to be able to say, you know, my default email client is this app. My default web browser, maybe I don't want it to be Safari. Maybe I want it to be Chrome. Like something like that where I can actually really customize things. And then the same thing like you were saying with AR. It looks like actually the invitation to WWDC 2019, the invite is all AR'd out. Yes. And if you look at the video version of the invite, it's it's very clear that this is what they're going for. So um, I'm curious. Like I still – AR to me is something where if you show me something – I can get it, and I'm interested in that thing you're showing me, but it's a, it's hard for me to think of my own real-world applications to how it can be used. So those are the genius uh, app developers out there that are coming up with that stuff. But it's, it's very fun, so I want to see more of it. So the news this week is that Apple announced the dates for the next Worldwide right. Developer Conference, WWDC. That will be held in San Jose. Yes. Haven't they held it in the past at uh, uh, San Francisco? It was in San County? Francisco until last year. They brought it to San Jose. Why aren't they holding this at the spaceship? Because the theater there right. roughly holds about 500 people, I believe, maybe 1,000, yeah. whereas WWDC gets about 5,000 attendees. They wouldn't have the room for them on their campus. Got it. And that is the new Apple camp- campus in Cupertino That's right. with, with the uh, giant spaceship design. All right. That is Geared Up's first segment. We've got a lot coming up, including Andrew's analysis of Amazon's acquisition of Ring, Yeah. plus the first light switch with Alexa built in. All that and more coming up on Geared Up. You're listening to Geared Up on GeekWire. A big shout out to National Car Rental for sponsoring this week's episode of Geared Up. Hey, Road Warriors. The latest tech puts me in the driver's seat every time I travel. Control your travel experience with National Car Rental's Emerald Club. You can bypass the counter and choose any car on the aisle, so you have more time to listen to Geared Up to find out what's going on in the world of consumer electronics and gadgets. Go national. Go like a pro. Check them out at nationalcar.com. Subject to availability and other restrictions. Requires enrollment in the complimentary Emerald club all right welcome back to geared up on geekwire i'm todd bishop i'm andrew edwards hey it's time for the national car rental story of the week yes geared up is brought to you by national car rental go national go like a pro you can also find my show technically speaking on nationalcar.com's control center or youtube.com slash national car rent you were actually there you you came in and visited me while we were recording the latest Geared Up series. What do you think? It was awesome. How, how was I doing? It was awesome. You were at a studio, essentially a makeshift studio at, down in downtown Seattle. Right. It was very cool to see the behind the scenes stuff. You are a pro, Andrew. I mean, I think people who watch the show and listen to the Thank show you, know that, but I mean, you nailed it. I like, try. You, I try. Uh, it was it was good. It was really, really a fascinating behind the scenes. Look, you've got a huge crew yes, that works yes, with you on yes, that thing. Yes, it's, uh, <laughs> it's necessary because if I had to do that all by myself, it would take a very long time. Um, the latest tech puts you in the driver's seat of your travel experience. National Car Rentals Emerald Club will keep you there. I'm a member. 
Free, free. It's free. That's right. Emerald Club. So don't right. for, don't forget to check out Andrew's show, Technically Speaking, on youtube.com slash national car rent. All right. What's our story of the week? Our story of the week, Amazon is acquiring Ring. Now, Ring. this was a story that broke while we were on our brief hiatus on Geared Up. This was news that was fascinating to me, in part because I think it sets up an interesting competition between Google, which mm-hmm. owns Nest, right. and Amazon, mm-hmm. which will own Ring. To me, it seemed like almost an arms race. I didn't even think about that. In the smart home security market, really. Right. And as somebody who's attempted to find an Alexa-native security system yeah. that would integrate well with the Echo. I mean, there's stuff out there, but it's a little sketchy It's at times. Um, I know some other companies are planning to come out with stuff, and they've announced it. But Amazon's acquisition of Ring makes me think, okay, this is going to be the company that really comes out with an interesting, comprehensive security system that works with Alexa. And Ring actually showed a new full-on security system at CES this past mm-hmm. year that goes beyond just their video doorbells. So for me, that that it, this is really the next step, taking Alexa really in a serious way into home security. Interesting. You know, Nest has a home security system, which is Alexa compatible, that you can buy right now. Okay, we've talked about this before. Why have I not gotten on board with I that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you're on board with Nest as a whole. I, I'm but- fine with Nest, I, as long as I don't have to... Uh, completely switch out the smart speakers in my home. I mean, once you've started to get down the road no, with, with the Echo and Alexa, it is hard to do a wholesale shift yeah. to something like You would not need to do that. But yeah, the Nest Secure is available now, and it does do home security, and it does support Amazon's Alexa. Have so you there is used that. that with Alexa? Yes. And how, how smoothly does it it's work? Easy. I mean, it's very easy. You can have it to where it, uh, you know, it watches over your home, and if anything goes wrong, it just alerts your phone. Or you can have it to where it does the same thing, but if something goes wrong, it also alerts a monitoring service. You can optionally add a monitor, a paid monthly monitoring service to the Nest Secure. But it's very, um, you know, it's very modern. It's it's the kind of thing where it's almost like something you know Apple or or Google would make, where it solves like the old pain points that you used to have. Like for example, um, you can go walk up to the sensor press a button on the sensor and then just open your back door rather than having to go turn a system off and then go back and then go to like it just knows okay this just means you just want to open this for like you know 30 seconds or whatever and you don't have to do anything else close the door we're okay able to get gosh i think you just sold me check out the nest secure okay but that said amazon buying ring is that's gonna that's very interesting ring is actually more than just a smart doorbell company at this point people know them as that because their name is ring you ring the doorbell but they also have security cameras for outdoor um they're they before they were as you said before they were acquired they were showing their smart home uh home security devices so this is obviously still stuff that should be coming um, and it does put Amazon in an interesting place because I would assume now Ring products can get Amazon Cloud Key um, integration, which means you can then allow Amazon to open your door and deliver your packages and close the door. Um, still, I still think that's a little weird. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, where the, you're at with that. Yeah, the Amazon Key service, which currently only works with the Cloud Cam, that, right. that'll be interesting to see. I, I think you're right. I think that would be a natural to include and incorporate with Ring. Now, what's fascinating in part is that Amazon has signal that they're just going to treat this in part kind of like they've treated Zappos and Twitch mm. and others They're where separate. Yeah, they let them operate relatively independently. But that said, you've seen, especially with things like Audible and Twitch, when they can 
do a smart integration, mm-hmm. they do. Right. Even with Whole Foods. Absolutely. Even if you go to Whole Foods, you're a prime customer, you have different things there for you. So I would definitely expect to see Ring at the very least would have better access to Amazon services than any other smart home company. And Absolutely. we've also seen Amazon is not afraid to, you know, they try to act like they're agnostic with everything, but then they'll say, we're not selling Apple TVs right now. We're not selling Google products right now because we make a product that competes with it, even though they're supposed to be a store for everything. So, yeah. And you know, that, that gets into the whole re- retaliation stuff right. about YouTube on the Echo Show and all that stuff. So that's, that's, that's a oh, cesspool. In, in fact, Amazon announced they were not going to sell right. any of the new Nest products. Exactly. Shortly after the whole yes. Ring situation. Yes. So See, that makes me not want to buy these Ring products, Amazon. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like how you're playing games. This this gets into some interesting competition and anti-competitive issues right. and, and two giants with different market strengths competing to get into a new market. And gosh, if we had a different presidential administration, we might be having a completely different <laughs> conversation about these companies. But that is a whole other issue and we don't need so, to get into it here. So do you like the acquisition or do you dislike the acquisition? I Well, from a consumer perspective, if, yeah. it, if it makes using Alexa with home security systems better in the long term. I think it's good. I think it's good for Amazon that they're expanding into this area. I think Ring was a natural for them to acquire it. The price tag was reported to be more than a billion dollars. So that's pretty spendy. And so you can look at it from the perspective of an Amazon investor. I think they they mostly liked it based on the reaction in the stock market. I think overall, it's a good thing. You know, um, And I just hope it doesn't lead to more of these anti-competitive issues that we're seeing between Amazon and Google because I don't think those are good for consumers. Right. And I think it will. I think so the reason I don't I'm more negative towards it than positive is because the Ring products when Ring was on its own company um let's just say if if UPS or FedEx or DHL or whatever also came out with something where you can let us into your home using your smart home lock now that goes away. Amazon's going to say you have to use cloud key and cloud key is only for Amazon deliveries. So if you order from any other store on the internet, jet.com or whatever, they cannot use cloud key to oh, enter. See what I'm saying? Yes. So now if if Ring was, you know, its own company, you could have any you, know, you work with anybody, but now it's going to be an Amazon, I'm assuming that has not been announced, but I'm assuming it's going to be an Amazon exclusive cloud key thing that they're going to tout, "Hey, now all these products that you bought in the past from Ring are now compatible mm. with Amazon cloud key." That's the positive, but the negative is they're not compatible with anything else. Hmm. Okay, well, we'll see if that happens. Yeah, As you we'll said, see. they haven't they haven't announced any kind of Amazon That's just key me being a puns on that. Yep, absolutely. Okay. In other Amazon-related news, hot off the presses, yep. we just got a glimpse publicly of the first Alexa-integrated light switch. And yes. to be clear, what we're talking about here is not a light switch that communicates with Alexa. There's plenty of those. Housed in an echo across the room. Right. But rather, a light switch with Alexa Trapped inside. It's built in. Built in. So built that's, in. That's the verb, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this is the Ecobee Switch Plus. I've actually been testing this for a couple of weeks, and it's very impressive. Um, it acts as an Echo device. It has, so it's a light switch. You install it. it you press the switch. It turns your lights off and on. But it also has a far field microphone built in, and it has a speaker built in. And the speaker, when you think about it, you're like, well, what kind of a speaker is going to be in a light switch that's going to be you yeah. know, any type of significant speaker. But then if you look at Amazon's Echo Dot, hmm. how big do you think the speaker is in there? Not Dang. that big. Yep. So it's actually very comparable to having really? an Echo Dot on your wall. Do they have so, like an audio out jack? <laughs> there's, a, there's no jack. How about Bluetooth? 
no Bluetooth. But I was surprised because I would when I received it, I thought it would be something where you can ask Alexa, "Hey, turn the lights on, do do anything." Um, but I didn't think I would be able to say play music and music would come out. But it does that too. So you can say, "Hey, Alexa, play anything you'd say, anything you'd say." Um, wow. You can do trivia. You can do all. It has it has Alexa skills. It is for all intents and purposes an Alexa device built into the wall. Now, what's cool here is this is an Ecobee product, right? Now, this is where I'm saying this is the opposite of the Amazon approach. Ecobee makes a product that is a light switch. Ecobee also makes a thermostat. Now, these can talk to each other, and it ha- like the light switch has a motion sensor built in, it has temperature sensor built in. So, if you're upstairs in a room that's nowhere near the thermostat. It'll know, oh, there's still someone home. Let me make sure the temperature stays where it should be. Um, But even better than that, since Alexa is built into Ecobee's product, you can use Ecobee's product to control any competing smart devices that support Alexa. So I can say to the Ecobee switch to to control my smart lock, to, to mess with my lights, to do any of that stuff. I like that approach where Ecobee is saying, we make products, but no matter what you have in your home, you can control anything else, even if we don't make it, even if a competitor makes it, by using our built-in Alexa. Now, I want to go back to what you're saying there, because when you look at the cloud cam, when they announced that in the Amazon key service, I mean, it does work with a variety of different smart locks. Yeah. So you're saying that you're worried that they would give preference to the ring? Like, what? what explain the exact concern there for My me. My concern, it's not a concern here. It was a concern about Amazon and their purchase of Ring yep. and how I think that might go versus Ecobee's Got uh, mindset, which is we are going to be open. Got it. But so far, at least, the Amazon key service works with a variety of third-party yes. smart locks. Yes. So, so it's, that's just a concern that you have as... The key with smart locks, but the key service itself, the actual key service, yes. only works for Amazon deliveries. Right. And, well, they're planning to expand it to things oh, are like... are they? Yeah, they are. They're planning to expand it to things like Rover dog deliveries okay. and other things like that. So, okay. And it also actually does work. It allows you to um, essentially give a, a key to, or at least it, I'm not sure if it does now, but they announced this. It will give you allow you to give access to somebody else. Right, like a friend or yeah. a family member. But you can't give access for like UPS to deliver a package from an Amazon competitor, like let's just say Toys R Us. You know, I'm trying to remember that, Andrew. It's, it's only been, for it's Amazon. Been, okay. Packages. All right. All right. So, so you know, as a, that's that's an aside though. I just like the fact that I can use an Ecobee product to control other products in my home that compete directly with Ecobee. That's just that's just cool. Um, so yeah, it's a smart it's a smart switch. You can control it from your phone. You can control it with your voice. You can use it to control other things with your voice. You can ask Alexa trivia questions. You can play music through it. It's I mean it's smart. Now the 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 smarter thing here. Because most people look at this and they say it's $99 for this switch, and they'll either say, oh, that's a good deal, or, oh, that's expensive, right? But I think the bigger play that most people don't realize is, let's say you have an eight-room home. You spend $800. You now don't need to worry where your Alexa is. Any room you're in, you just speak, and Alexa (laughs) will process your command. Right, and if you could, you do multi-room audio across the different light switches. <laughs> that mean, would that be would weird. Be, that would be great, but um, I, I, I bet you could. You should. We should test that well, out. I don't know. I don't. I mean, I don't. I'm not going to say for sure, but I don't think like this is not a music device. It's a device that can play music. Understood. Um, but it's not a music device. 
you also can't do like you can't do Alexa phone calls on it. You can't be like, hey, right. Alexa, call mom to your to your switch. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm what I'm saying is like that that idea of whole home voice, that idea of just having a sentient assistant in your home versus where is my Alexa? Oh, it's over there. Can it hear me? If you outfit your home with these, you can just speak. Like you don't have to. Wor- it's just there, and that's a very that's a very interesting concept to me. So what do you think of that? Like, is that a negative or a positive? Like, Amazon's always listening, but if you already if you already have an Alexa in your home, it's already listening anyway. I've come to terms with it. I I think that to some extent, if we're going to have a modern life and get the benefits of all these services, we have to pick the companies who we trust, and and you just have to decide whether you trust those companies. And the key is making sure that you have a choice and that they can compete amongst each other. And I think one of the things that they need to compete on, one of the characteristics that each of those companies needs to compete on, is on their treatment of privacy. And you've seen Microsoft really try and position itself as a stronger privacy company than Google, for example, based on advertising and and Google's use of, of that sort of thing. So I think it's something we just have to deal with. I think there has to be transparency into what the companies are actually doing. And yes, Jeff Bezos has a microphone in your house and a, <laughs> a key to your door. Uh, but if you feel the service is good enough to justify that risk, because it's a risk, really, right. that you're giving over your personal details, I think it's just a reality of modern life. So would you outfit your home with, with Alexa in every room? Sure. I mean, I practically already have. Like, does that, does that sound, uh, to me, that sounds cool. Yeah. To me, that sounds cool. Like, Especially if she was in a light switch. Right. It's just, it, I just like the <laughs> fact that you don't have to even turn toward. It's just you just speak. You're just somewhere. You just speak. And the annoying opposite side of the trend, though, is my Alexa always just starts talking to me like no one said your name. Why are you answering? Did you have it laugh at you? I did not. I did not experience the laughter. <laughs> did you? No, no. But that, the, that sounded creepy, creepy, laughter. creepy, creepy. All right. On that note, that is geared up for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. A big thanks to National Car Rental for sponsoring the show. You can check out Andrew's show, Technically Speaking, on the nationalcar.com control center or or at youtube.com slash nationalcarrent. That's right. All right. Until next time, I'm Todd Bishop. I'm Andrew Edwards. Thanks for listening to Geared Up on GeekWire. Thanks for listening to Geared Up, the weekly tech and gadget podcast. Check out more of Andrew's reviews at youtube.com slash gear live and follow all of our coverage at geekwire.com.